Welcome back to Is It Horror? I'm Brianna. I'm Joe. I'm Matt. And I'm Steve. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't been to our show before, generally what we do here is we'll take a movie and eventually maybe books, video games, some other items, and uh, we debate on whether or not it can be considered horror. And since horror can kind of be a little bit sticky to define sometimes, we figured it was worth taking a deep dive and analyzing some different media and see what we decide on. Just talking about Event Horizon, it really kind of put us in the mood to talk about Alien, so we are going to Alien. Surprise! It's a plot twist. For those of you who live under a rock, uh, Alien was released in 1979. It's a sci-fi film, or horror film, or whatever you might call it, and we'll decide. That's directed by Ridley Scott and was written by Dan O'Bannon. Dan O'Bannon had been kicking around the script for a while. I guess he'd originally called it Star Beast. He pictured it as kind of a creature feature and was selling it around various places and eventually found a studio that was interested in making it in 20th Century Fox. And uh, they developed it into what we have today as Alien, which that is the shortest, leaving out so many details, description of how this movie actually got made. I think, honestly, that's almost as interesting as debating on whether or not it's horror. So do yourself a favor and definitely read up on that. And we'll maybe talk about a little bit of it as we kind of talk about this movie tonight. So uh, what is everybody's initial impressions? Well, before watching the film, I was a staunch believer. Well, that's, let's back up. After not having seen the film in about 10 years, I was a staunch believer that this was absolutely 100% sci-fi, not horror. Going into this, I guess, uh, it's been a favorite for a long time, actually named my cat Ripley. It's, you know, you think maybe Jonesy, but no, we named it Ripley. Can confirm. <laughs> uh, and I've always thought of it as horror with sci-fi and thriller and other elements in there, but I've always thought it was horror. Yeah, f- for me, this is Matt. Um, I only recently saw the film for the first time, I think in like March, and I was watching it with Steve and was definitely under the impression that it was horror from the begin from the beginning and you know I felt like it was a horror movie. I I agree for me I've always viewed this movie as horror. One of the things I think is interesting that's worth bringing up about this is there was a bit of a debate on Twitter back in April of 2021. Uh, there was a journalist for The Guardian, his name is Elle Hunt, and she posted a poll where she said, Settle an argument, is Alien a horror film? Give reasons why, please. And after about 120,000 responses, 94% said yes it was, and about 6% said no. And uh, anyway, it's kind of interesting because one of her points that she brought up Although a lot of people felt like she didn't really have any points to bring up. But her point was that horror cannot be set in space. That is literally what she said. Okay, even I can't get on board with that. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly I mean, after just, the last movie. <laughs> yeah, we just did Event Horizon. Come on. So I guess, Brianna, for, for yours at least, you're feeling more that it's sci-fi. What, uh, why do you think not horror? So I thought long and hard about this and rewatched the movie twice, and I still don't have a solid argument. I only have a gut feeling. And here's why I think I have the gut feeling. The cat lives. What horror movie allows the cute, adorable cat to live? 
It's a story of hope. Therefore, it cannot be horror. That's my thought process. It definitely does have horror DNA, though. That being said, I understand why 94% of people are like, of course it's freaking horror. I just don't. For me, it's not a horror film. For me, it's a sci-fi thriller with some, um, I don't know, horror DNA thrown in there. I take issue with the, uh, with the, if the cat lives, it can't be horror. I think I probably am not off base saying that I am the least educated on horror movies amongst us. <laughs> he doesn't even have a degree. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, so, I don't know, maybe others can fill in some of the blanks for me, but I feel like there are, you know, it's certainly not the only horror movie where the cute, cuddly animal survives. Uh, let's see. I guess I uh, there's a... Um, Poltergeist, the dog survives through to the end. There's Return of the Jedi. <laughs> the Ewoks, you know. I don't know if that counts because that's kind of like saying Cujo died at the end of Cujo. I mean, if the Ewoks <laughs> survived till the end of... I mean, like, clearly they were the monsters. I watched a video the other day where they're like, let's focus on the disturbing implication that the Ewoks probably ate the stormtroopers that they killed. Yeah. <laughs> They probably uh, boiled the flesh off those bones. I mean, they were ready to eat Luke and Han, so that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Waste not, want not. Exactly. When did they have, like, just meat in nice cans running around their planet all the time? I didn't see a shop right. I'm just saying. Exactly. I don't know. I think, at least for me, thinking about this movie, I think the DNA of it is ultimately a slasher film. I mean, you could, of course, make the argument, yeah, the slasher is... They don't have any lines. We don't hear what their motivation is. They are running on pure instinct. But you could also the same say the same about the Halloween movies and the Friday the 13th movies. You know, they sort of explore from the outside what their motivations might be, especially on the back half of the original six Halloween movies. But the character never weighs in on if those ideas are entirely right and if that's exactly why they're doing the killing. So, I mean, having the alien be this silent killer whose motivations never entirely fleshed out, I think they're in good horror company. Yeah, I kind of agree when, like, exactly what you were just saying. As I was watching Alien, I was thinking... You know, if this was Laurie Strode and this was Michael Myers, like like you could put Ripley and you could put the alien in Haddonfield and it would be the same concept to me. And that's kind of like why I would really categorize it as horror, just even with the alien kind of being in the shot before you see it and stalking. And it's it's just almost like watching a Halloween movie in space, and Michael Myers is an alien. I love the scenes where the alien is just like in full view, but you just don't realize it is. <laughs> like it's exactly. just right there. So one of the other things I think about too, in terms of this movie, is um. So it is it is tense all the way through. I feel like it spends a lot of the movie building tension. I think part of the way it does that, too, is by having the more horrific aspects of things happen off screen. So the unknown is always a little bit scarier. And while you might not be able to relate to being on a spaceship 
or being just on an alien planet or any of those kinds of things, I think we can all, at least on a gut level, relate towards just the fear of the unknown. I mean, it's the whole reason why anyone's scared of the dark really at the heart of it, right? Like, I don't know what is around me. And uh, the movie definitely does that, at least with the theatrical cut. Characters like Dallas and, to a lesser degree, but not entirely, Brett, you never really see what happens to them. Like, they're just gone. I think you get into more action movie territory with some of the later alien entries, especially Alien vs. Predator, where you see them, like, ripping Mm -hmm. people to shreds. But at least in this one, it's content to not tell you what's happening to these people. And keeping that unknown, keeping that question mark, I think helps to make it feel more scary. See, for me, that was one of the things that sort of separated it from what I feel is horror. And what reads more as thriller science fiction is because the murders generally happen off screen. I think where we see the most gore is the iconic chest burst scene. So sorry for anyone who hasn't seen this. By the way, there's going to be spoilers. (laughs) We should have warned you. (laughs) For me, that's the only real horror portion of it was that scene. Mostly because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I read somewhere at some point in time that most of the actors who are observing that uh, happen to their castmate weren't really aware what was going to happen. They just knew something was going to happen. So the camera captured real horror on their face. Maybe maybe that has something to do with it. But again, if I'm not seeing that level of gore for me, that kind of knocks it down a notch from, okay, this is horror to, oh, okay, this is just a really tense movie. Yeah, like you said, they the cast, they knew something was going to happen with that chest burster scene, but uh, they weren't entirely aware, weren't necessarily aware of exactly what it was going to be like. And so Veronica Cartwright, uh, who played Lambert, her reaction to getting blood sprayed on her face was pretty genuine. In fact, as I understand it, she had a bit of a panic attack right after that scene cuts out for her. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they had to take a... They, she needed a moment. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Because you're not expecting to get blood sprayed on your face at work. (laughs) If they were making this movie and it didn't, at least looking at the intent, not that the intent defines what it is or it isn't, but looking at least at the intent, intent going into the film, if she was in this movie not expecting to see gore, not expecting to have those bloody moments, Maybe for her, even in making it, she didn't necessarily consider it a horror film. Not that horror films had to be gory, and probably less so then. But I don't know. Maybe there's something there. I can see it now that it's been reframed as, okay, if you take these characters and you plop them into a Halloween-type scenario, it fits. I get it as a slasher from the the creature stalking aspect. But yeah, it just it it was not scary to me because... The alien wasn't supernatural. I think that's kind of where the divide comes in for me. Like with Event Horizon, we discussed, oh, there's some sort of religious element that they just threw in there to explain what was happening. I felt like this movie really was a science fiction movie. They walk you through everything that they're doing and what they're doing and why they have to follow protocol and, you know, Ash and his eternal quest for fucking shit up. I don't know. Yeah. Sci-fi. That's that's where I got to with that is it was more about the human interactions with each other and how that caused their demise more so than it was about this gigantic freaking xenomorph eating their faces. 
Well, in the words of Arnold, if it bleeds, we can kill it. So it's kind of like take some of that out of it, I guess. Yeah, because you can't kill Michael Myers, but you can kill the Xenomorph. Exactly. Michael Myers is forever. If Michael Myers was a race of Michael Myers, you could definitely kill him. The problem is that you have one. (laughs) Apparently, even when you cut his head off, you have to retcon it out that he apparently went and uh, knocked out a paramedic and put a Michael Myers mask on them and duct taped their mouth shut. And they never once thought to be like, hey, I've got a mask on. I'll take this off and I'll duct tape it shut. This is me venting about Halloween Resurrection because fuck that movie. I don't know if you've seen it, but also fuck that movie. This is a safe space. You are allowed to. This is a safe space. We are here for you and we support you. I have opinions and that movie hurt me on a personal level. I felt personally attacked by that film. And then Buster Rhymes like drop kicking Mike Myers. I'm sorry. I know we're not talking about it, but God damn, so fuck much. that movie. There's a lot of repressed trauma here. I can tell. That's true. I have PTSD from Halloween Resurrection. I forget that it exists regularly. I'm thinking about the Halloween series. I forget that it's a thing. Anyway, neither here nor there. <laughs> Fun comparison to the alien. I'll stop critiquing Halloween Resurrection. I guess on the point of like, uh, there wasn't a supernatural element. I guess for me, that's never been a like necessity to a horror movie. I mean, there's definitely a part of horror that has that about it. It's sort of like an unstoppable force that you don't understand coming after you, like a Michael Myers or something like that, that is terrifying in a way. But I kind of, I kind of like the idea of like it being set in a, you know, obviously a future unrealistic setting, but it could be an actual future, (laughs) you know, and I guess like that for me brings it into a more relatable arena and i think for me that makes it a little more that more horror because you know i see like michael myers and or somebody like that it's like okay well it's just ridiculous that he's not dead however many times he's been shot i mean he's just a guy but you know obviously something supernatural but it, it just doesn't track for me as for being a reality so if it's something that could feasibly happen, it is scarier for you than something that is totally and completely made up. Yeah, yeah, I think so. See, that's what that's what documentaries are for. I don't know. I need my I need my horror <laughs> to be different. I need I need the horror to finesse me a little bit before it, you know, chokes me out a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> needs to woo you, maybe it talk needs about to woo a safe me word. before I go, oh God. Uh, yeah. There's a process. I have a process. Again, safe space. I was thinking um, on the subject of gore and things like that, because we talked about like the, the killings kind of happening off screen. And that kind of brings up the question for me, like, is something like psycho, you know, is that would that be considered horror just because of the whole idea of there's not really blood and guts or that kind of thing on screen so much? So I, I feel like for me it doesn't necessarily mean that the that the murders have to happen on screen for it to be horror is where I'm going. And I think it's something that we talked a little about a little bit last time. Matt, you weren't obviously with us for that, but at least for me, I think I'm coming more towards the idea that horror is whatever the final definition ends up being. I think it'll be less like it always has this one thing, so it's horror. 
I think it'll be more along the lines of if it has these couple things together, that makes it horror. One of those things in isolation maybe doesn't make it horror. No alien isolation pun intended for any gamers out there. Although that's an excellent game. But anyway. I don't want to do that as an episode. Just say. (laughs) I would be okay with that. That would work for me. But yeah, I, I think that having gore or not having gore doesn't a horror movie make. You know, it's, depends on how it's used or how it's not used. And so I guess that's what I would point to for this film is it could have been gory, but if it was gory, I think that I would be less likely to put it in the horror category the way that it's used. And to a degree, the later installments of the Alien franchise become less horror in my mind because of how over the top the gore is and how less they're concerned with trying to build any kind of tension. So if you want to throw some of those entries like Alien Resurrection into the category of just being an action sci-fi film, I can understand that because this movie, at the very least, regardless of where you categorize it, understands that less is more. On that note, one thing I really noticed in this most recent viewing about less is more is the sound design. They were like masters at using the music to build tension, but then also using silence or just a light heartbeat to build just as much tension. Yeah, so one of the things I noticed too is um, anytime that someone was kind of in danger, or at least the movie wanted you to think that they were in danger, there was sort of like a deep background rhythmic heartbeat sound. And then when they introduced the motion tractor, there was almost like juxtaposing the sensor beeping with that heartbeat in the background and with H.R. Giger's sort of biomechanical artistic direction for both the alien and the derelict ship. It Did kind he of win an Academy Award for his set design? That's a good question. One that I'm I feel going like, to find the answer I feel to like right he now. Super did. And I only know that because I I knew about the artist before I knew about the film. And oh, really? the set design. Oh yeah. I I had no idea about Alien until I started looking into that particular artist. But yeah, it the the set design was fantastic. The mood was great. And I I'm glad you mentioned that about the music because I thought that the soundtrack coordination with what was going on on screen was pretty damn exceptional. I'll give you that. Can confirm that this movie did win the 1980 Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. Deserved it. Yay, I know stuff. See? And I would say, I would just add, because we we talked about Alien Isolation, it's echoed in that game too, if you ever play it. The sound design is excellent. Yes. It's one of the reasons I love it. One of the other things, too, that I guess for me in thinking about it, trying to make that decision of horror, is I think the way some of the scenes are filmed, too, definitely lean towards making you feel tense, not just in the sound design with, say, the heartbeat, but I think about the sequence where Dallas is in the vents and how they could have shot that any sort of way. They could have... Hollywood has a habit of sort of tacitly agreeing with the audience that it's dark in a place right where they're like it's dark here you accept that it's dark but really it's very well lit and there's like clearly a spotlight off screen and you can see everything and they did do that a little bit mind you but when he's in the vents he's really pretty much just lit by the fire that's there with him and they could have put him front at center like full 
the screen could have been filled with his face in the vent with the flamethrower. But instead, they back it out. He's in a little square in the center of the screen, barely lit, and it's completely dark around him. And I feel like that intentionally is like, let's inspire claustrophobia in the audience. So they're feeling, we're trying to make you feel what he's feeling in this vent stuck there. He can't see anything. He knows something's there, but he just, he's stuck. He's stuck in this small space and you're stuck there with him. And that's the way I feel like they tried to film it. And I feel like it's effective. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that, too. There's a lot of scenes where it's like that meme where you're, like, squinting. Like, what's going on here? Like, they don't pull any punches. Like, a lot of movies, like, 28 weeks later do that thing where it was filmed in the day and they just put a filter over it. They definitely didn't opt for that here. Also, can we talk about the cat jump scares for a moment? (laughs) Cat deserves the best supporting actor. Just putting that out there. Cat with great. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially, I need to look this up because I know I'd heard this at one point, but they had the one scene where uh, Brett's trying to get the cat and the cat's like stepping back and hissing. And I can't remember exactly what they put in front of the cat to get that response from it. But then there's, I want to say there's at least three, maybe there's at least three, maybe more scenes where they're looking for something and the cat does the like, and then like jumps past the screen, past the camera. Like, it's like, I know you're in a horror movie and you need a cat tension breaker. So here it is. I was just going to say, I also loved how the cat watched with pure satisfaction as one of the crew members got murdered in front of it. Totally cold. Ice cold. It's like, yeah, I never liked you anyway. (laughs) It's true. They just like focus on the cat's face while the guy's getting probably killed off screen. You deserve this for not giving me my temptations treats. <laughs> there was a wet food shortage on that ship. Despite the rain room that they have for whatever reason, I still don't understand. It's for Wednesday spa day. <laughs> That's right. It just goes like, ah, I don't know, maybe we'll install a rain room. A what now? Yeah, you're going to need that on the spacecraft. That's going to be important. You're going to want that. I'm going with its condensers that um, you have liquid coming off of. No, it's a rain room. All right, okay. (laughs) Doesn't doesn't make any sense, Joe. Come on. (laughs) Damn you and your perfectly logical explanation. Condensers. Clearly it's a rain room. Save it for the Is It Science Fiction podcast, okay? (laughs) Oh, God, the new (laughs) spinoff. And we're just going to do solely romantic comedies that take place on Earth for that one. Perfection. I liked When Harry Met Sally, but is it sci-fi? Anyway, no. Uh, <laughs> okay, I here's my question. Um, I guess we could all agree that this movie is tense and that it builds tension. I think we could all agree on that. Yes. Does tension make something horror? And if not, why? And if so, why? Depends on the tension, right? So, like, is the tension that I'm going to be murdered? Is the tension just that I don't know what's going to happen? Because I feel like a lot of the time the tension is you could be murdered at any second. And I feel like that is horror movie tension. I think it's one of those, like, tension alone does not make it horror. But yeah, like you said, Matt, depending on what type it is, like, I think it... It certainly is part of it. 
Well, I think it begs the question, what's the difference between horror survival and just survival? Is it the thing that's hunting you? Is it, does it need to have some sort of, I mean, evil intent in addition to wanting to murder you? For me, this was just a survival story. To you, what would have elevated it there? Or what, what is, what's missing? Either, either direction, I guess. What would have elevated it to horror? What's, what's missing that would have made it maybe horror for you? I think malintent. I mean, yes, we could argue the fact that something that's going to attach to your face and suck the life out of you and bust out of your chest is a bad thing. But it was just doing its due. Like, it's, it's, life finds a way, you know? It was, uh, it, that's what made it science for me is that the, the villain, quote unquote, the alien, like, just trying to get a bite to eat, man. Reproduce. It's a circle of life. It wasn't like, uh, you know, from the depths of hell trying to rip your eyes out sort of deal. For me, that's the delineation between horror and a thriller. I can kind of see what you're saying. You're kind of almost looking at it like if anybody's seen The Revenant. Right. Mm -hmm. The bear attack in The Revenant is horrifying, but that's not horror. So, because it's just a bear. (laughs) Right. I'm like, well, what do you think a xenomorph is going to do when you put it on a ship? Like, that's how I felt. Like, release the alien back into the wild. It'll be fine. (laughs) And that's exactly what they do at the end of the story. Everybody's happy. It's great. It's truly a tale of hope. I have a counterpoint to that to see what the difference is. Okay. So if you look at not zombies in general, because there's different classes and there's different things and some of them seem angry. But if you look at Say we'll say the original Night of the Living Dead. Can we all agree that that one is horror? Yes. I would. Okay. So if you look at the zombies in that movie, they're all fairly prosaic. Like there's, they're fairly expressionless. So they're not, you could make the same argument, I think, with them as you make with the xenomorph is they're, they're not doing out of malice. They're just, their biology has been rewritten. This is what they do now. They are driven on instinct to eat human flesh. So they're going to do that because there's no malice in it. What, what would be the difference? Do you think there is a difference? There is, there absolutely is because in with night of the living dead zombies, yes, they have been biologically altered and they're just doing their due. However, the alteration is due to some sort of evil or mysterious thing that should not have happened. It's the aberration fact. The alien in Alien isn't an aberration. Humans literally went to that environment and fucked some shit up, and then they got their faces eaten. That's the story. Okay, I have another example. (laughs) Okay. Oh my god, is it the face eating? Is that what triggers this? No, no. I'm trying to keep it, I'm trying to pare it down to exactly what you're saying and see how you feel about it, because I'm interested in the answer. But Joe, he has something. Oh, no, it was just a quick point of like, not all zombies are made by some mysterious evil. Like, there, I mean, there's plenty of movies where it's made by science, right? Right. But it's often like it's a thing that has escaped a lab or it's a, a something that was being utilized by the military for weaponry and it goes wrong. Like, it always seems like there's it's a it's an intentional thing that doesn't work and gets worse. Well, I'd say definitely in the case of Night of the Living Dead, they're they're dead. They're all messed up. <laughs> I mean, that's also true. Okay, here's my counterpoint example that takes the malice side out of it, I think. Okay, so 
Has everyone seen The Descent? Or at least, Brianna, yes. have you seen The Descent? Ye- oh, yes. absolutely. I love The Descent. Okay. Yes, because it's awesome. Right? But anyway. <laughs> so I think you could make a closer maybe allegory then to that representation of the alien to the creatures in The Descent, right? Because they're not created out of any sort of malice or any sort of experimenting or anything like that. They are just a twist of biology, right? Like some creature ended up down in those caves and it evolved that way. And the only reason, and at the end of the day, it's just eating because they want to eat and there's new food, right? So they might have makeup appliances that make them seem somewhat angry, but at the end of the day, it's just a different species we haven't encountered looking for food. And these women happen to be down there and happen to be good food as far as they're concerned. Is that equivalent? And if not, why? It's not equivalent, but I haven't, I don't have a response for you. Interestingly enough, speaking of the, um, the descent, I get really sad when the one, what do they call them? Crawlers? Is that what they're actually called in the movie? Anyway. I think, I think so. Sure. When, when one of them basically finds their mate, which one of the girls has completely annihilated, and that, like, I am rooting for that girlfriend to come back and get those girls in that cave. So, I, I don't know. I root for the villain a lot. Because she was just hanging out in the kitchen, and then, right? like, her love was She was, was making killed. a lovely dinner, and she lost her spouse. It was tragic. Tragic. Yeah, like, they deserved how it. would you feel if you went to your kitchen... To see if your wife was making that delicious cheesecake and uh, the cheesecake was just eating her. (laughs) Rude. Now that's a horror movie. (laughs) Cheesecakes from space. Yes. If they're from space, it might not be horror. Yeah, because you can't have horror in space. You can't. I don't know. I I guess you can get me on that argument there because... I was about to say, well, but the girls shouldn't have gone that deep into the cave anyway, and it's this whole allegory about the limits of humanity and where we should go and where we shouldn't go. But that's the same thing with any space exploration that borders on horror as well. I got nothing, Steve. That's the story. I got nothing. I just think that because this cat lives and they just should have listened to the smart chick in the first place and none of this would have happened, it's, I don't know. Yeah, topical segue. This is the story of a woman who just wanted to quarantine or they could all die. And guess what? They didn't quarantine. She tried and they all died. So I take from that what you will. There it is, folks. (laughs) Cautionary tale. I saw a thing that was like describing a movie in like one sentence or something like that. And for Alien, it was like uh, the story of a a woman and her cat who survived because nobody listened to her. That is 100% accurate. I also judged Ripley very heavily when she almost forgot to take her cat with her on the escape pod. Total judgment. Yeah, you gotta take the cat. Right? How could you... In in her defense, I mean, she was, like, being chased by an alien. I realize that she had a rough day, but hashtag priorities here, folks. (laughs) But She's a cat, Mom. I always think it's funny when she's, she's running into the thing and she almost forgets but then it's like oh right the cat and like kicks the crate into the <laughs> yeah right she <laughs> like, punts oh, the poor, the poor thing yeah <laughs> jonesy is like what the hell <laughs> i just got comfortable do you know how hard it is to get comfortable in one of these i don't kick your bed well it looked like it was made up made out of like rolled steel that cannot be a comfy carrier yeah right. 
And honestly, with the spacesuits, apparently, that they made for the movie being so airtight that... Uh, so here's some trivia for you. The spacesuits that they made for the film, they were so airtight that the actors were literally passing out while they were wearing them. And they were complaining about it. And Ridley Scott's like, it's fine. It's fine. So from some of the exterior shots of the Nostromo there on the planet, they wanted it to seem bigger. So he got some of, I want to say, his nieces and nephews to be in smaller spacesuits, smaller spacesuits for the scale of it. And uh, they started passing out in the suits. And then finally he decided to do something about it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so that all having been said, I don't have a lot of faith that that container that the cat was in was at all safe. And maybe it was airtight. <laughs> so I don't know. That's me alleging that apparently animals might have actually been hurt during the filming of Alien. Cannot confirm Sorry, either way, if this allegation is too far. <laughs> One other thing that I kind of wanted to point out with, as far as like the comparison with like The Descent and Alien is that The Descent, for me, was almost the scarier element of that movie was like getting caught in tiny tunnels and the claustrophobia and like that part of it. And I also think that that's kind of in Alien also. I don't know exactly where I'm going with that point, but there's like... That is survival tension, that part of it, being claustrophobic in those in those areas. And so there's kind of some survival tension and some tension that's more like, am I going to be murdered in Alien? There's definitely different kinds of tensions depending on where you're at in the movie. That's the thing I think about. The whole idea that like horror can't be in space I think is ridiculous you know, on many levels, but like just... Just the setting of it is horrifying. If you step outside, you'll die. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like there's, you can't really run from the thing you're trapped on the ship from. Like, hopefully you can get to the escape pod, but like, you're stuck in the ship with the scary thing. I think the thing maybe at the heart of what she's trying to say, which I, I'm on your side, I don't agree with this particular writer who said it about horror not being able to take place in space is I think the thing that always makes movies more horrifying is when you can relate to them more. And uh, I know, obviously, it's harder for most of us to relate to being on a spaceship and being in space, because most of us will never have done that, never have experienced that. But I think that if you can get someone to at least relate to the core experiences that someone's going through, then that's enough, even if you maybe haven't been there yourself. Yeah, have I ever been a space miner on a ship? No, but can I relate to, you know, feeling tense, feeling uneasy because I don't know what's around the next corner? Sure, I think everyone can. Or that moment you wake up in the middle of the night and your coat looks like Dracula and you're like, is that Dracula or is it a coat? It's probably my coat. I hate when that happens. But it might be Dracula, but it's probably my coat. I guess I should stop leaving my Dracula cloak in your bedroom. <laughs> That's been you this whole time? <laughs> Damn it. All these years. You just have the good hooks. I don't... <laughs> I'm so upset with you for hanging it on a hook. You know it's going to wrinkle that way. It seems like a better idea, but it's just not the best way to store cloaks. I don't know. Is is it is the real horror not having an iron for your Dracula cloaks or what? Uh, <laughs> the yeah. real horror is not taking care of your crushed velvet cloak. Right, There's no excuse. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Okay, so 
I'm not sure that I brought this up before because it's one of the things I've been thinking about with it at least. Ripley is the lone survivor. And I'd say that she's by herself, knows she's by herself other than Jonesy the cat for what about the last 20 minutes of the film? Maybe 15 minutes of the film? I would say so. And uh, I think one of the things we've talked about before is part of at least what leaves you feeling like a movie is or isn't a horror is how it ends, the note that it ends on. And uh, yeah, there is, there's hope because they both did survive it. But the main character spends those last 15, 20 minutes of the film. I really should have clocked how long. But anyway, she spends the, that last period of time of the film completely terrified. And so I was thinking to myself, can you have a movie where the character spends pretty much the entire ending of the movie terrified and for it not to be horror? And uh, I don't know. Is is that one of the things that at least part of the cocktail that would put it over the edge? Why don't know. What do you guys think? Why or why not? I mean, Ripley is totally has final girl energy. Absolutely. It was just... I don't know. For me, it just ending on that note of hope, even though she's, what, six weeks from the frontier or something is the quote. And hopefully someone will pick her up on the outskirts of of wherever civilization begins. That message of hope and and knowing that, oh, okay, her and the cat are going to be just freaking fine. They're just going to be jamming in their little space pod for a couple weeks, having a nice little staycation. So try it. It's a a lovely story about a girl and her cat. Just having a nice staycation. It's warm and fuzzy. That lasts for 57 years by accident. (laughs) Totally. Spoiler for the next movie. Mild spoiler for the next movie. I feel like there's plenty of, like, Halloween and some of those other movies where it kind of ends on a similar note, where it's like, yeah, like, the final girl was, like, battling whatever for the last while, and she was in terrible, horrible scary situations but then like i mean by definition she's the final girl and usually lives to the end and at least seemingly the bad guys vanquished or not in the picture for at least a moment i mean i know that's not always how it goes but it feels like not so far off the beaten path as far as the feeling of the end of the movie to me i just really wanted to see like an infestation of little alien eggs somewhere on the pod that she's on something like that for me that would have clinched it and made it harder yeah i was about to say like if you're watching there's about to be a whole lot of spoilers but you're watching halloween it's kind of ends on a question mark you know nightmare on elm street ends on a question mark friday the 13th ends on a question mark alien you know she, she may never well hear of another alien like that for the rest of her life for hundreds of years and be safe and there's no danger other than that of being on a spaceship. So I can kind of see what you're saying there. Okay, so it just doesn't have enough of the, like, question mark at the end. Yeah, I think that it it had plenty of horror components, but the components doth not a whole make for me in terms of horror. If we're drawing a Venn diagram of these things, there are things, but they are not overlapping the way a Venn diagram should be. I guess maybe some of that's Maybe I'm not taking enough into account because I guess in my head I'm I'm using the context of some of the future events of the alien universe. Like I know that things are not great for Ripley, even though they right. they seem to be right. at the end of Alien, and maybe that's not fair of me to be judging 
on this movie alone, like it does end on a fairly happy note, even though I know that it it's not that's not where it's going. Yeah, you almost have to view it in a a vacuum as though none of the other movies were ever made. I know we've referenced them previously, but yeah. I still don't necessarily agree that that idea of ending on a hope ending on a high note and hope makes it not a horror movie, but I can see the interpretation of how that kind of sets it apart somewhat. Yeah, because I think, at least for me, thinking of examples, because that's, I don't know, in my head, obviously, I'm doing that quite a bit during this and saying, like, okay, well, what's a movie that I'm sure is horror? And how does it end? So I, you're bringing up slasher movies, I guess, when I'm thinking about it, too. If I think about, for instance, um, I think about Scream, the original Scream. It ends with clear, concise, these guys are the killers, they're both dead, and now there's a sunrise outside and our hero lived. And it's not quite the same as being able to, you know, pet the cat and know that you're both fine. But it it's just about like it's the movie's been dark. The murders have been happening at night for the most part during the course of that film. I mean, there's some stuff that happens in the day, but not a lot. But ultimately, like you you end on the sun coming up on a new day and everybody's safe. So, I mean, you could maybe make the argument that the end of Scream is as hopeful as Alien, but I'd still be absolutely sure in classifying scream as a horror movie are we doing scream next (laughs) (laughs) is there any dissenting penions i don't know i mean i'd be interested i'm always i can always watch scream is the thing (laughs) i'm not sure the last time that i viewed scream the whole way through i might have been 14 it's been a while we could save it because next year there is another scream movie coming out what yes okay first of all why and who what no. So, yeah, it's it's obviously the first one that's going to not be directed by Wes Craven. You know, let me guess, it's going to star Emma peace. Roberts and half the cast from American Horror Story, right? Yeah, and it's Ryan Gosling running around killing people, and he's not in the Shut mask. Shut the front door. No, he's I'm, Canadian. I'm... He would never do that. <laughs> he's Canadian. Well, at least he would apologize. Far too nice. Oh, I'm quite sorry about hacking off your limbs there. <laughs> so sorry about that. Maybe that's to Wisconsin. Sorry. Either place. It's on the border. It's fine. <laughs> okay, cool. I, as far as I understand it, Nev Campbell is coming back for that one. And uh, it's... I was going to see if I could find real quick who's directing that fifth installment. Matt Bettinelli Ulpin and uh, Tyler Gillette. I know that they were involved in making some of the movie. I want to say... Oh, they did Ready or Not. Anyway, so there's just an FYI on that random... Scream 5 news, and it's not, I guess, called Scream 5, it's just called Scream. So there's going to be that fun confusion of dictating Scream 1996 or Scream 2022. It wouldn't be a horror reboot without you having to put the year it was made after it. So That is true. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I'd I'd be up for debating that one. But uh, Joe here hasn't even seen Scream yet. I have not. What? Never? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh I'll, my god. I'll, I'll work with him. I'll work with him. <laughs> no judgment. It's okay. Safe space. Exactly. Right. Safe space. Exactly. Okay, so the other thing that I'll bring up too that I think is worth talking about in terms of horror and not horror is uh this movie does build a lot of tension, so it's not but it has a couple different tools in its toolbox as far as that goes, and one of those things is jump scares. There are a lot of jump scares. I kinda skirted that issue while talking about the cat 
But there's so many instances where they're like, here's a thing, loud noise cutaway. And I feel like you have that happen multiple times throughout the film. So jump scares are definitely something that you often see in horror movies. And I would say rarely see in movies that aren't horror. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I can't think of an example right offhand. But uh, you usually don't see in, I think, usually don't see them in movies that aren't horror. So I guess where do you guys weigh in on that? I'm trying to think of a movie that isn't a horror movie, clearly, that has jump scares in it. And I, I can't really think of anything, you know? It does feel like a trope of horror. Yeah, the usage of jump scares was pretty heavy-handed. And that, that I, w- I will say that that's horror DNA right there. I do appreciate, at least with this movie, with it. Yeah, are there jump scares? Are there cat jump scares? And I was debating this earlier, talking with Joe a little bit, as I wondered to myself... If this is, is this the first movie with the gratuitous cat jump scare? Because that becomes a thing in horror pretty much ever after. But did it happen before? Is this the first place that that happens? I'm not sure. That's something worth researching later. Yeah. All right, random segue. I think it's in Mystery Men. They're like walking through somewhere and like a cat keeps jumping You're thinking of community. Oh, yes, I am. I'm thinking of community. What is going on with that cat? this cat? (laughs) (laughs) Like jumps out at him like three times in a row or something. Anyways. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, I, because it does get, you know, if you have a horror movie and you're not sure if it's really going to scare your audience, then you throw in a whole bunch of jump scares. Obviously, I think this movie has more tools in its toolbox than that. It does build tension. That ramps up the entire movie through. So it's it's got those moments. It has those claustrophobic moments, things like that. But yeah, it definitely uses jump scares quite a bit. And uh, I think at least when it's a fake jump scare, right? Like there's the jumps. They're building tension. There's the jump scare. It's the cat. You're relaxed because you're like, oh, it's just the cat. And then the actual creature shows up and it kind of like... I don't know. It cools you off for a brief moment. It's like an oscillating fan in the room with you. You're like, oh, it's hot as hell here. And then it hits you with that blast for just a second. You're like, it's not so bad. This is cool. And then the fan's gone. It's a palate cleanser. Then the lava monster attacks you. Yeah, exactly. It's a palate cleanser. It's like a quick, okay, everybody relax. Now don't relax. Reclatch. I'd also add, we haven't really touched on the idea of the robot guy as kind of a horror antagonist in the film either and i think that there's definitely something there also with artificial intelligence kind of turning on humans um that is more of a sci-fi trope but also so i could i could guess i could argue with it making the movie lean more towards sci-fi or towards horror that there's this kind of wolf in sheep's clothing throughout uh, a good portion of the movie. Yeah, I agree. I think that the revelation of of Ash being a what did they call him? Just a robot, I think. That was that was pretty intense and that was disgustingly gross. Um I don't know how much like cremora they had to use or cremora, however it's pronounced to get all that nasty white stuff, but uh, I can only imagine the smell. <laughs> And he had to, like, spit it up and stuff. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. Poor poor Bilbo Baggins, man. He was having a bad day. 
My goodness, I forgot that he played Bilbo Baggins. That's he goes amazing. full Bilbo Baggins right before he loses his shit as Ash. You can see it. If you play the two scenes side by side, it's the exact same facial expressions as when he looks down at the ring. It's great. I will always think of him as the, the priest from Fifth Element. Which that was another oh, yeah. one that I was like, I yeah. forgot about that altogether. Yeah. I don't know. Did you put a wig on him or put a beard on him? And apparently I can't tell who he is anymore. Like I have face <laughs> blindness or something. I don't know. He's, he's the master of disguise. Yeah, apparently. He's like, haha, my hair is slightly different. Like I've never seen you before. <laughs> this isn't necessarily in the realm of horror, but I always find this scene interesting. And I think that I at least I've reconciled in my head why I think it's happening. Oh man, there's so many things we could talk about with this movie. But there's the sequence where he's fighting Ripley and he rolls up the magazine and he's, I, maybe there's not really multiple interpretations of this, but I guess how would you, like he's like trying to suffocate her with this magazine that's rolled up. I guess how do you guys interpret that sequence or do you have an answer for it even? Watching it, I hadn't really thought too much about it until this last time watching it and it, it seems such an odd choice. Like, I mean, he's a cyborg or well, not a cyborg he's a robot android like he's strong like he you know demonstrates multiple times that he's super strong like he like grabs parker's chest and like brings parker to the floor um just by doing that like why didn't he just like strangle ripley i think it probably spoke to the fact that he was he was a ranking officer she continued to question his authority and that was kind of a shut the fuck up moment that Ash was laying down on her. It wasn't just about, it wasn't just about like defeating her physically. Like he was, you know, busting everybody else up in that scene. It was really just about like, he was, he was taking revenge on her for questioning his authority the entire freaking time. That's true. There's a lot of tension between the two characters throughout. Yeah. Just with, with Ash, like doing one thing and Ripley being like, no, you're an idiot for letting them in. I told you not to. And then that realization that, oh, you're not an idiot, you're evil. <laughs> you're evil, yeah. Be like, you have total ulterior motives, and you have electrodes! No! <laughs> I don't know. I guess we don't have to deep dive into this or anything, because I don't know if there's a lot necessarily to be said on it. But I guess, to me, I look at it, and I, I see it, and maybe I'm wrong, but I see it as basically a form of sexual violence from a... Mm-hmm. creature a replicant this android that wouldn't physically be capable of doing more because it does the magazine feels really phallic in that scene especially when you've got porn hanging up on the walls behind the incident isn't happening. it all i thought it was a porno magazine was it not i mean it probably was a porno mag but yeah. there's also porn on the walls oh. behind it right that's a whole other level of symbolism i didn't consider yeah i could see that And I'm not saying that's necessarily the right way to look at it, because I can see what you're saying, too. Like, the idea of just him, you know, finally making her shut up, basically, because she's questioning the whole way through, and he's just having to take it and take it until finally he's like, okay, I'm going to shut you up permanently. So I I think that is a valid interpretation, too, that whole idea of, like, yeah, I am going to shut your mouth once and for all. There is one thing that I think was also interesting in just doing a little bit of research about this movie and how things came together is uh, Dan O'Bannon was in talking about putting this movie together. He wanted to make the male side of the audience uncomfortable. Um, When he wrote the script, 
no one had genders. It wasn't like they were all men, as some people have said. But from what I understand, it was like they're literally here are these characters. They could be played by a man or a woman. You choose whatever. Whoever we get is fine. He specifically, though, wanted the person who was taken in the ship by the facehugger to be a man. So it was basically like you have this alien physically violating a man and then this thing bursting out of the the man's chest. And that that was kind of the sort of thing where he's like, I think that there are some quotes where he was saying like, he literally wants the creature to like fuck the the people on the ship. That's the thing that they were doing. And that was the thing that was going to be scary about it. So, yeah, I thought that that was kind of interesting looking at that, that level of discomfort in him wanting the men to feel that because that was something he felt like didn't usually come up in horror that uh, men aren't usually the victim of things like this in films. For 1970, whatever, that's a pretty interesting avenue for, for anyone to go at that time. That, that I had no idea about. Yeah, I think, I don't know, Dan O'Bannon was an interesting character. And like another inspiration for this too was the fact that he had Crohn's disease and he felt like, you know, his guts were constantly in, in pain and eating at him. So that's part of why he came up with this too. I don't know. I feel like the guy's interesting and I'm disappointed that I'll never get to meet him at this point because he did pass away a few years back. Yeah, it seems like he was kind of, well, maybe ahead of his time on some things. <laughs> yeah, I would I would agree with that. I don't know. He's an interesting character, for sure. I think he certainly did have his finger on the pulse of what would continue to scare people, though. Because as we've been talking about what makes horror and making so many references to other famous horror movies or movies that are generally considered horror, this is something that maybe, maybe can we say that this is something that redefined horror? Can we agree to say that? Was this the first of its kind? Was this the first notable sci-fi horror of its kind? Because we've been discussing a whole bunch what we each found scary about this. And what I'm hearing is, oh man, the atmosphere was just super oppressive and the tension was so high and I felt claustrophobic. Like this very clearly set a scene that may or may not be considered traditionally scary because of the science and the... I don't know, the explainability of science is just as scary as the inability to explain it sometimes. I think there was other sci-fi horror, other other kind of marriages of those two genres before this. I mean, you have plenty of films, and thinking about it, it's funny because I went like kind of empty in the head for a moment about it, but then thinking back on it, I mean, like, you could argue that the original Eye of the Living Dead was focusing on the Venus probe was kind of sci-fi horror because it's the movie posits the idea that it's space radiation. That might not have been Romero's intent, but it's the only explanation given in the film. And then you kind of have him to a degree referencing some of the other things that were going on at the time, because you have the sort of fascination with nuclear energy happening right after World War II. So you have a lot of these giant monster features that are happening from radiation, like the original Godzilla, for example, is one of the most famous ones. But you have all those like large insect movies happening in the 50s too and then you have other things like uh invasion of the body snatchers i mean it's something from space doesn't necessarily i guess have to make it sci-fi but in my head it usually does if there's aliens then it's probably sci-fi at least part of it and And, then but that go go ahead ahead. i was just gonna interject and say that that type of horror that uh that classic creature feature horror it was 
I'm sorry, the words escaping me. It was it was melodramatic. It was overdone. It was meant to like you could very clearly see that okay, that's not a fucking alien. It's a dude in a suit with a styrofoam head. Oh, he's gonna beat this girl down, and we're gonna go get saved by the big dude with the great hair. That was the plot line of those sort of stories. This was very dark. The whole feeling was very dark. It is super oppressive, and it doesn't have that like hokey, happy science sci-fi horror thing. That's why I feel like, okay, maybe this is something that sort of redefined the genre a little bit. I think it definitely did that. I I think it did definitely redefine the genre because, yeah, before this movie, Dallas would have been like more proactive, broad soldier, broad shouldered, you know, telling. He would have been Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. Telling Ripley she's being hysterical and then he would have like beat the alien with his bare fists and then they would have rode off into the sunset on a horse somehow in space, you know? <laughs> well, maybe the true horror here is that uh, le- uh, those in leadership are not always who should be in leadership and that's the scary shit. <laughs> Someone's hubris is going to get everybody killed. Yeah. I think Dallas is a really interesting character too because he is in charge, but then he is just such a I want to do the least possible work that I have to do. (laughs) Yeah, and he's willing to throw out what's best for the entire crew the second things go pear-shaped. And he's not even willing to think about or entertain the idea of the quarantine, even though he's in charge of making sure all of these people are okay. I mean, they don't necessarily state that, but I guess we all interpret that as he's the captain of the ship. So it's his responsibility that all of these people live And he is literally willing to get them all killed for one crew member. That's not the sort of person you want in charge. And that's a terrible decision to have to make in leadership to say this person has to die so that these 10 don't. But that's the job. And then he's not willing to do it. And Ripley is. So I was just perusing the the Wikipedia article for Alien, just looking at some of the things and... Uh, one of the film critics that taught, or I guess it's David McKinty talked about it, and he said, uh, the reason it's such a good movie and wowed both the critics who normally frown on the genre and the casual cinema goer is that is it is a distillation of everything that scares us in the movies. He describes how the film appeals to a variety of audiences. Fans of Hitchcockian thrillers like it because it's moody and dark, Gorehounds like it for the chestburster. Science fiction fans love the hard science fiction trappings and hardware. Men love the battle for survival. Women love not being cast as the helpless victim. Kind of like summarizes a lot of what the film does. It really encapsulates a lot of things. I do really like the way that that's all put. That is really cool. Yeah. does sum a lot of it up. Accurate. I have to say that even though I've given a lot of arguments for why I think this movie is horror, that I'd always accepted it as such, but I went into this viewing kind of doubting it and willing to dissect the fact that I was wrong and say, like, is it just sci-fi? Maybe it is just sci-fi. Not that that's saying just sci-fi is somehow bad or that sci-fi is somehow bad, but yeah, just in terms of this, is it, I was willing to say maybe it maybe it isn't horror. Maybe I'm thinking of it wrong, but I think when it's all said and done, I think that it really, if there's a fine line of one that pushes it over, I feel like it still rides so close to that line that I think either interpretation is 100% valid. 
I think anybody who wants to say, you know what, at the end of the day, I still think it's sci-fi. I can understand that and I can understand where they're coming from. And I think that it's, it's something that's debatable rather than a hard line. There's other movies where I'd say like, this is clearly horror. And if you don't think so, I would say that you're wrong, but this is one where I, it makes as much sense on both sides of it. Cause I don't know. I can see that. Yeah. It's flexible enough that I, it's one of those. Okay. So the saying that like everybody thinks that their dog is the best dog and they're right. Same thing applies here. If you say it's horror, I support that and I understand. If you say it's sci-fi, totally get where you're coming from, bro. Yeah, I can get behind that. I, For my personal taste, I still put it in the horror category, but I can see the, the point of it just being, uh, or only being a sci-fi. No, not, trying, not trying to disparage sci-fi again. But Fuck like, you, sci-fi. <laughs> but, uh, There's a lot of sci-fi hate. Oh, my. <laughs> I like sci-fi. I'm just kidding. I mean, I just finished reading the Dune series, and that was it's a big time investment. That was well worth it. And we haven't even talked about the Dune alien connection, but that's not really out. It would that doesn't help us decide if this is horror. <laughs> but anyway, for anyone who's wondering about that connection, watch Jodorowsky's Dune. It's an interesting documentary that will explain why we would bring that up in reference to Alien. Yeah. Just uh, along the same lines of what everybody else was saying, um, if somebody said to me, this is just a horror film, I would probably say no. And if they said, it's just a sci-fi film, I would also say no to that. <laughs> so, like, I think, you know, you could really categorize it as a horror sci-fi film. And it has both those elements, but I don't think it's just one or the other, to be honest. Yeah, I would agree with that. I've talked about before the idea of describing within three genres. Definitely horror and sci-fi, depending on your feeling, are at the top two of those. Yeah, it's horror, but there's definitely sci-fi elements. And it's not just sci-fi. Like You could say that it's definitely got horror elements, in my opinion. Damn it, now I gotta watch the next movie. <laughs> yeah, same. I can't watch Alien without watching Aliens close afterwards. I am perfectly <laughs> comfortable tying it off after that, but yeah, yeah I'm at least going to watch Aliens. Other movies. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, you followed up with its clear cinematic equal Alien versus Predator Requiem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's an Alien-Predator hybrid in there, so clearly that's horror. No questions there. For sure. It's scary that anyone came up with it. But um, for all the wrong reasons, it's horror. <laughs> I'm horrified that someone greenlit this. That's a whole other genre. We've already talked about it a bunch, but like, I guess I like my little love note to Alien. It is just such a masterpiece of cinematography, like the music, the all the sets that they went through, and the acting, and like I don't know, it's just such a good movie, no matter how you classify it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's one of my personal favorites, and uh, yeah, I unintentionally end up watching that movie probably about once a year. Yeah. It really stands the test of time, too. It does, yeah. Agreed. That's a wrap. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for coming and joining us at Is It Horror? And uh, I've been Steve. I've been Joe. And I'm Brianna. And I'm Matt. Bye.
Bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> that last one. <laughs> On our next episode, we discuss Jeremy Saulnier's Green Room. Thanks for joining us at Is It Horror? We post new episodes every other Friday. Think we didn't give this movie a fair shake? Think we missed something? Do you have a suggestion for future episodes? Do you just want to say hi? You can follow us at Is It Horror on Twitter. We have a Discord server coming soon. You can also email us at isithorrorpodcast at gmail.com. In the meantime, stay safe and keep asking yourself, Is it horror?